And you're listening to the Jim Eskimen Live, well, it's not live, it's live here where I am, uh, podcast. I am alive, you're alive, and uh, that's why communication is possible. Yeah, communication is not really so possible between two dead objects or things. But that's not really what I wanted to talk about. I wanted to say, hey, hey, thanks for listening. Those of you who have listened to this podcast more than once, let me tell you something. I am super grateful. I really am, legitimately. And uh, it means a lot to me. I listen to a lot of different podcasts. I love to hear different ideas and points of view. And uh, I know my show is not not much of a show, really. It's, it's not got a whole lot of production value. Although I hope you enjoy the little theme that I wrote and I play myself on the ukulele. Uh, but, you know, it, even though it doesn't have a lot of production value and I don't go to remotes and I don't interview anybody, uh, hardly ever, that's not true. I do occasionally interview people, and that pops up occasionally. In fact, uh, gee, there's a call right now. That's interesting. Steven Spielberg is on the line. Steven? Yes, hello, Jim. Hi. To what do I owe this uh, pleasurable event? Well, you had a lot of nice things to say about my movie, The Post, and I wanted to thank you for putting that out. Well, it was extraordinary. I, I, I didn't go to see it in the theater, regrettably. Yes, I know, but that's okay. Well, I, I, I did see it with my wife at home, and uh, uh, actually, no, she wasn't home. No, what did I see it? I saw it on a... Jeez, I saw it on an airplane. That's even worse. <laughs> Okay. Well, it, the acting was extraordinary, and, and I got, I think the, the story, well, anyway, I'm not going to sit here and criticize the post to you, Steven Spielberg. Which I appreciate, by but the I, way. But I did, I did think the acting was extraordinary. I wondered, how, do you, how did you get Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep to, uh, they spoke over each other a lot, in, a, in almost like in an Orson Welles movie. That's right. And... Uh, Yes, that's correct. They, that was intentionally done. That is something, actually, that Tom and Merrill came up with. I believe Merrill first uh, worked uh, with Tom on, on that aspect of it. And uh, I think the two of them had a great deal of fun experimenting with how they could speak over one another and yet still listen and communicate just in the same way. The people, yeah, uh, yeah, the people communicate, because we all do that. Exactly. We, we, we listen at the same time. We're, uh, we're processing not only what we're saying, what the other person is saying. What I, the other I know, exactly. I know. I do the same thing all the time with my wife and it drives her <laughs> absolutely that's right. up the wall. Well, listen, uh, thanks for... I know you got a million things to do. I do. So uh, I will, I'll talk to you again. Thanks for calling in. Steven Spielberg, nice, uh, nice that he did that. Uh, I don't know where he got my number. Doesn't matter. I'm glad he has it. Um, so anyway, as I was saying, I don't normally do a lot of interviews, and that's not the, that's not the salient point of this or, or of anything. Uh, I wanted to give you a little report, uh, which if you read my blog, uh, which I don't know, who has time to read a blog? If you're podcast people, you probably don't read blogs anyway. I read very few blogs. I, I like them. I just don't have time to sit down and read anything. But I, uh, I wrote extensively in a blog uh, this week about uh, this experience I had going to New York to work on a television show, which will remain nameless. Uh, wouldn't that be funny if the show was named Nameless? There should be a show called Nameless. or Shameless. Um, anyway, this show is a terrific show. I've been watching it on television and enjoying it with my wife. And it's, it's very unusual for me to get a job where... I've actually seen the show, or or, or even worse, that I'm that I'm a fan of a sh- of a show, and then I get an audition and actually get on. That hardly ever happens to me. The normal thing is I get an audition from my agent. They say it's a TV show, and I go, "Oh, really?" Well, I don't recognize the name of it. I've got to look it up. I've got to watch an episode or two, and uh, nine times out of ten, I'm not very interested in the show. Um, 
But and then I go in and I try, and I think that gets in my road because my intention is not very strong if I don't like the show. That's, that's happened not a few times. Uh, or if it's just I'm kind of ho-hum about the show. And then I have to get excited about the part. But in, in this case, it was totally different. I was like, wow, I love this show. Uh, it would be like, like going in to see somebody and auditioning for Better Call Saul, which this show was not, uh, obviously. Uh, and I would love to get on that show. I love that show. I think it's a great show. Better Call Saul, if you haven't watched it, I think it's better than Breaking Bad in a lot of ways. It's more, I don't know, more adult or something. Less less graphic novel and more thinking man's thing. Uh, who is that thinking man? I don't know. Rodin sculpted him and then he got off the toilet and ran away. Uh, anyway, this show I wanted to be on and I had to do my own self-tape. You know, that's very typical today. Actors have to do self-tapes. Pretty soon they're going to have us doing self-shooting in front of a green screen, and then we'll just take whatever we do at home and manipulate it. We'll probably be, re- be required to have a ball at home that will photograph us and scan us from all angles. We'll shoot in front of a green screen. This is my prediction. They will take whatever we do at home. They'll get, you know, 50,000 submissions of something, and they will uh, pick the actor. The actor's scene will be digitally inserted into the movie, and you won't even have to meet anybody. You won't have to sign anything, uh, you know, on a clipboard or meet a makeup person. No wardrobe person will call you. It'll all be done digitally. And won't that be a sad day? Because all of us got into the business to meet people, to wear costumes, to hold a fake sword, to stand on a street in Istanbul on location somewhere with a ton of extras and real buildings and real air. And uh, I think that's that's going to be few and far between. In any case, I did my own self-tape. And I had a lot of fun with it, too, because it was supposed to be a, a mocked-up... Uh, gee, I guess I shouldn't say. Uh, anyway, kind of a nightclub-y scene. And I, so I mocked up in my house. I have no nightclub in my house. But I mocked up something with lights, and I, I, I think I sold it pretty well. I wrote my own thing because there was no script. There was no sides. Uh, this part had not really been written yet, but they told me what they were looking for so I wrote my own thing, and I submitted that. And so if you're an actor, you know, I'm sure this has extrapolations into your field too, but the, uh, if you're not an actor. But the, the most exciting part of being an actor is when they say, you booked it. That's the high point. So I sent in my audition like a slow-moving bullet, and it struck the target. And, uh, and uh, in, my, in my blog, I liken it to, to hunting a boar out in the wild. You know, I saw this video one time of a guy, I don't know why, late at night, you know, when you click on something, you're like, you know, I, what, what does it look like to go on a boar hunt? Hmm, let's, let's check that out. That's important for me to know right now at 2 a.m. And uh, so, yeah, so I watched this boar hunt and I was like, wow, this is, this is interesting. I didn't really think about why it was interesting now until years later. It's probably two or three years ago. And because the guy shoots the boar, it's so far away, you don't see the boar hit the ground. You just hear a... And then... And you hear maybe a little something. And then, But it's so distant, you have to kind of take the guy's word for it when he says, I got it, somewhere out in Kentucky or something. And then he trudges, 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 trudges. Walks along, maybe a quarter mile, I don't know, quarter mile, maybe an eighth of a mile, to find the beast that he's killed. Luckily, it's dead. And then... The video is all about dragging the boar back to the truck so that it can go home and be turned into boar stew or boar's head ham or something. 
And I realized acting is a lot like that. The exciting part is when you put the, the rifle to your eye and you sight in on the target, and that's your audition. And you pull the trigger, which is your performance, and that squeal is when your agent calls and says, you booked it. It's total excitement, total exhilaration, total satisfaction. From then, it's a slow trudge to claim the beast and bring it back to your lair. So part of me going, you know, after I booked this job, part of me dragging the beast back to my lair was I had to go to New York to shoot, which I did last week. And uh, I had to pay my own way because they hired me as a, as a, um, a local hire for budgetary reasons that had nothing to do with my well-being. But that was okay. Well, I knew that in, that in the outset. I knew that from the get-go, and I was totally fine with it because it's a great show. So I went out there. I rented a crappy hotel, and I uh, did the job. And it was tricky, uh, very tricky. In fact, it was like near uh, – there was a moment of near panic like, I may screw this up. And instead of a great boar hunt where I bring the bloody trophy home, the boar could come back to life, gore me, and I could die in the wilderness because I can't get to the hospital. That was the kind of the, the thing that was looming. And here's what happened. So I go out there, and I go out a few days early because they said, well, we need you for wardrobe. I'm like, all right, a couple days before the shoot. I'm like, okay. So I go out, and I go to wardrobe, and that's cool. And then I wait, and then I go, when will I get the uh, sides? And they said, well, we're there working on them now. Good. So I go back to my hotel, I meet a friend, we have dinner together, we drink some wine, we have a great reunion, go home, go to bed. Now I got the day with really nothing. Uh, I was on the, uh, I went out down and uh, visited the Joe Piscopo show <laughs> because he had me on before remotely and I never really met him and so I, I invited myself and he allowed me to come on his show and it was nice to meet the guy. So I did that in the morning, then I had the rest of the day free, I'm waiting for the script. And I kept emailing my contact there, and she kept saying, they're working on it. So I have to shoot the next day, and I'm waiting. I want, I want to leave a lot of time today because all I want to do is uh, I want to learn this part. And it's going to be whatever it's going to be, short, long, I don't know. I don't really know at all. Uh, on the notes, it just said, script to follow. The rest of the script was done. I read the rest of the show, terrific show. And I didn't know exactly what I'd have to say. It's, it's easy to audition a part that you don't have the lines for because you just make up your own lines. It's very hard to rehearse for a part you don't have the lines for because what are you committing to memory? What are you drilling? You better not do anything till you get the lines. So it wasn't until dinnertime, 6.30 or so, that I actually got the uh, sides. And that was uh, dodgy because, well, it's nighttime. Uh, and I'm still a little funky with my hours. I took a red eye out there, so I was a little sleepy. I was, I'd worn myself out by walking so much the first day on wardrobe day because <laughs> I love to wear myself out walking in New York City when I've been in California for a long time. So I, this was an unplanned for kind of circumstance and unexpected. So I had dinner, and then I began to work on the part, and then they called and said, we need you at 6 a.m. the next day to do this thing. So to learn the thing, and it was, you know, it was not a substantially huge part as far as numbers of words or sentences or anything like that, but it it had to be right, and it had a lot of tricks in it, and uh, I can't really describe it without 
giving away too much, but, you know, it was like a little bit of a little Chinese box of dialogue. Monologue, actually. A monologue, you know, so it would be just me. I couldn't lean on anybody in this thing. I had to just deliver this thing. And I had really not a lot of time to work on it because I had probably three or four hours after dinner and then I needed to go to bed because I had to wake up at six and be on the set and do the thing. So a little bit of pressure. And, but I thought, you know, I can do this. I've done this before. This is, this is what I do. Um, I mean, mostly I don't. Mostly I do voiceover work. Mostly I look at a script or an audio book and I read the script and I make the decision there, but I don't take my eyes off the lines. When I have to do movies or TV, I, I'm hoping that they'll let me kind of finesse things and do the broad strokes. I, I think I do very well at that. But uh, when I got to the set, I was told in no uncertain terms, this has to be done word for word. I went, wow, really? Uh, okay. I even asked one of the guys, I said, now, you're one of the writers. Uh, how, you know, if I have an idea about something that might be expressed a little differently, how would that be? And he said, well, yeah, you just got to make sure you want to fight that battle. So I got the feeling that, okay, this is not like Parks and Recreation, for example, where they're very, they were very loose and fun and always had me improvise. This is like, I don't know. This is more like, uh, uh, you know, the school play or something or you know, the, the college entrance exam or the SAT. Anyway, it all started to stack up on me a little bit. Now, luckily, that whole first day of shooting, I didn't really have to be totally 100% off book because m even though we were in a big scene, uh, the camera, of course, shifts, you know, and uh, they show different things first in a different order. And rather than show my monologue, they showed, they were focusing on people listening to my monologue. And those were the, the stars of the show. So they covered them and I could read mine off the script. So that was more comfortable, obviously, because <laughs> I knew that I could, I can always read, but I still was like, God, I've got to learn this. I want to going to learn this thing. And I drilled it as much as I could. Then I went home and I drilled more and I had the experience of, while drilling this thing, uh, of, of, have you ever had a thing that you had to learn and had to memorize and had to remember, and it wouldn't totally 100% stick in your mind? It's happened to me, you know, it happens to me more and more often, but it's happened to me various times in my life. And it usually comes about because there's a word or a symbol that I don't understand that I need to clear up and define for myself and really wrap my wits around. And usually that, you know, bad memory surrenders to that, plus a lot of drilling. In this case, I did look up the words, and I, I was fairly certain that, I, that that was not the cause of it. Uh, there was just a, the way that it was phrased. The, you know, words, words are just a method of phrasing a concept so that you get a picture in your mind of an idea and you transmit it to others. It's a little bit of an encoding of a concept. And we all do that in different ways. We kind of teach each other how to do it quickly uh, by using phrases that we all like and, you know, structures that we're all familiar with. This one was written very carefully and written in a way that I never in a million years would have written it to express those concepts. I could have expressed those concepts in my own way, but that wasn't how it was being asked for. Interesting. And a lot of times that happens with a script in Hollywood, and it's I, I generally, without sounding like a griper or, or sticking my nose up too much, it's because the script is not very well written. 
I would say it's kind of flubby or kind of, I don't know, just sort of not so great. In this case, I think the script was really great. And so I was unused to a specificity that was of such a high quality. And they were writing, of course, for a certain time period and to fit into the body of the show and a certain aesthetic and a certain style that was indisputable. I mean, I had no beef with it at all. I couldn't say, well, this is just a stupid way to say it. It was like, oh, no, that's a very specific way to say that. And I, I, I had to kind of figure out why that was better than what I was thinking of. Anyway, all these things went through my mind as I'm trying to crack basically the problem of why can't I freaking remember these words in this order? And I worked on it all night. And when I say all night, because I had another early call, not 6 a.m., but, uh, you know, 9 uh, to do my, my shots now where I would have to be on camera without holding a script doing it. I worked on it while I was asleep. I worked on it while I was walking to the bathroom at night. And I worked on it the first thing in the morning and walking to the set and, you know, every available minute trying to drill it into my freaking meat so that I could just deliver it very easily as if, oh, yeah, I do this. I say this all the time, <laughs> which is the actor's chore. And it was it was making me nervous. My, you know, when your blood feels kind of thin and, and you feel kind of jangly, it's like when you're at a I felt like I was at a high altitude where my, I just didn't have enough oxygen. I was in Manhattan. I was right at sea level, but I felt like like I was at 7,000 feet, like I was in Mexico or something, Mexico City. So the time came, and uh, I drilled it with the script supervisor, which they, they always call them scripty. I drilled it with scripty, and she was very like a school marm. Uh, it was uh, finally I just went, you know what, I, I'm going to work on my, on my own because she was calling me on every mistake as I was doing it, and it was starting to make me crazy. And I was trying to just push out of my mind all the negative uh, scenarios that were flooding in, like you're up on the thing, you're doing the monologue, and you keep flubbing, and you keep flubbing, and everybody's staring at you, and we're on take 93, and you're costing the production time and money and all that, which I could see as vividly as, as anything. Uh, and I just pushed those images out of my way, and I just tried to... And what I succeeded in doing was just going, F it, you know, this is, this is my life. I'm going to do this. I can do it. And I love being on the, the, the edge of the sword here. I love being at the end of the knife. This pressure, this discomfort, I love it. I convinced myself that I loved it. This is something I got from Gary Vee, too, which I think is very good. And, and I just decided that it was going to be fine. And it was. It was. It was not as smooth. It was not as comfortable as perhaps one would like. But I think by acting, I did a job of, of, of demonstrating that I was at ease and that I could do it. And, and I got across the message of the speech. So the boar, to strain my, my metaphor, the boar was dragged back to the truck and wound up in the truck bed, you know, the four by four with the flies buzzing around it. And I drove it back to, you know, take, give it to the trophy guy to say, hey, give me that boar head and I'm going to put its grinning face on my wall on some plaque. And, uh, but that's it's an interesting, an interesting thing. I'm not, you know, every time I, uh, almost every time I have a, a professional acting job, there's some new uh, wrinkle. There's some new thing that pops up that I just never would have anticipated. 
and this was another time. And so I, I, to you actors out there and you voice artists and you aesthetic people, uh, I'm sure you've had similar experiences. And uh, there is a lot to be said for the power of your intention over even your own body, even your own nervousness, even your own um, yearnings to, you know, come up with scenarios of failure. You can call the shots. And in, in effect, I had to just bypass my whole body and nervous system and go, no, the fear you're feeling is false and this is going to work. I am not going to screw this up. This is, that would be too stupid and I'd be too, you know, upset with myself. So I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do a great job because it's a great show and I want to help these people. So, you know, the power of that is is actually the most important thing. And it stretches all the way up and down the process, the length of the process, you know, getting the job, uh, deciding when you're going to get a job, when when a when an audition is going to come in, and, and all the rest. One decides as positively as one can, because the more you're in charge and the more you decide, uh, the better it's going to go. The more we leave it up to the winds of chance and fate and uh, whatever, you know, uh, it may seem comfortable, but at the end of the day, we find ourselves down a road that we didn't expect, a hunting game that we didn't really have any interest in, and then it comes charging at us out of the bush because we only winged it. We didn't really drill it through the heart as we should have. It's funny to be making hunting uh, similes and metaphors because I, I loathe hunting. You know, like Woody Allen, you know, sort of the last thing I want to do is wander around in the wilderness, you know, shooting something small and furry that might spring out and latch onto me with enormous mandible. So anyway, I, 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 I'm still talking about this because it was such an interesting thing. And, and you know, it's kind of like the one that almost got away. And so I keep telling my fish story. Um, great things on the horizon. I have uh, working on a screenplay for a feature with a very talented young writer. A short film that I wrote and starred in called Sun to Sun has been winning awards in festivals around, around the world. And that's exciting. It's called Sun to Sun. I don't know if I mentioned that. Anyway, it'll be online eventually, and I will let you know where to see that. Impress Me, our TV series starring Ross Marquand, more about him in a second, is still on Amazon Prime. Please check it out. It's about impressionists. It's very funny. It was written by Ben Shelton. Okay, Ross Marquand, brilliant impressionist. I did this little series with him. He was just my pal, Ross Marquand. And uh, then he got on The Walking Dead. Next thing, you know, I, the other night I discover, to my shock, and, and it's rather like an episode of Impress Me, I noticed that Ross Marquand uh, has posted that he he's actually in the new Avengers movie, the most popular movie in America, I believe. And on the IMDb, the uh, Internet Movie Database, which is kind of the, I don't know, it's the uh, who's who of movies and the place to go, the encyclopedia of movies today. They have a kind of a rating system. And, you know, if you're a huge star, you're like, you know, in the top 2,000. And if you're like me, you're in the top 20,000. Ross Marquand last week was number 26 on the IMDb. How about that? That is an enormous win. That is like shooting a boar. You're standing in, in, you know, in Teaneck, New Jersey, and you shoot a boar that's standing at the lip of the Grand Canyon. That is freaking unbelievable. 
So I, my, my uh, hat is off, my shoes are off, my belt is loose, and my tongue is out for Ross Marquand and his great success. And I know he's just going to keep hitting home runs, uh, although that doesn't fit the boar metaphor thing very well. But, you know, I'm sure that, I'm sure that there's a boar baseball team, right? I mean, called the boars. You know, the Miami boars, the, I don't know, the Philadelphia boars. Maybe it doesn't sound so good damn homonyms anyway thanks for listening i hope you listen again uh and uh please uh, comment below let me know if you if you see me on tv or if you have any questions or anything like that go to my youtube channel also check out the cartoon contest you know we have a monthly cartoon contest where you can uh provide captions there's all kinds of stuff on my channel check it out and in any case if only if all you want to do is listen to podcasts that's cool too and hey big shout out to sufyan you still out there Love you. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you again soon.